We are beginning chapter two of the Tomer Devora. Uh, the as I was, uh, ta- excuse me, as I was uh, telling Eileen just a, a few minutes ago, the idea of Kabbalah is that God has ten manifestations in the world, uh, and the, which are known in, in mysticism as Svirot, um, divine spheres or uh, supernal attributes. And um, and the Cordovero's theory is that each of those ten sefirot can correspond to a way of emulating God in our behavior in the world. So we spent the better part of the past several weeks, um, however many weeks it was, probably 12, 13 weeks, something like that, talking about um, the first of those attributes, which is keter, God's crown, the highest of the sefirot in the system, and, uh, and Cordovero associated that with, with uh, compassion, with mercy, uh, and subdivided it into 13 different uh, categories, different elements of God's mercy that we could reflect in our own behavior, in our own compassion, in our own mercy. And he's going to continue in the second chapter to talk about the virtue of keter, um, but from a different perspective. So no longer talking about God's mercy, but different elements of how we might emulate this highest uh, attribute. And he spends a lot of time on this highest attribute, probably because it's the most amorphous of those attributes. So he, you could really associate a lot of different things with keter, because as opposed to, say, uh, the other attributes, which are wisdom and understanding or uh, uh, love and, uh, and beauty, um, which have a much more, in some senses, concrete definitions of what they are and therefore how we could emulate them. Keter is a lot more amorphous. So he's going to spend a lot of time sort of... Um, it's like when um, in Peanuts, when Charlie Brown um, was shooting arrows... Uh, and then Lucy finds him, and he's actually he's going and painting uh, a target around the arrow that he shot, right? Uh, and uh, and she asks, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Well, this way I always hit a bullseye." Right? So that's kind of what he's doing with uh, with with Kater. He's he's shooting a bunch of arrows and then going and painting the target around him. But nevertheless, I think he says some really profound things. I think what he said about compassion was very profound. And what he says about the rest of Keter is also profound. So in the Hebrew, we're on uh, uh, the top of page Kuf Yud Gimel, where it says Perak Shani, chapter 2 on top. And in the English, we're on page 70, where it begins chapter 2. Ode, so furthermore, we'll say about the virtue of Keter, God's crown, Liot Adam Domelikono, that uh, a person could be, uh, could resemble his creator, Besod Midah Keter, with the secret of this virtue of keter, of crown. Tzarich shiyubo kama gufei pulot. He needs to have a few different uh, uh, qualities. Shehem ikar haga. Right, that these are the uh, essence of how he should behave in accordance with, uh, with, with the crown, with keter. Harishonas, the first. This encompasses all of the different virtues we could talk about. That's humility. Humility is dependent, is hung on uh, God's crown. Right, because this is the highest attribute. It is the attribute on top of all the attributes. Um, because God's crown being the highest svirah, if you remember back to the very beginning of the class, we looked at this um, chart 
of Svirot, of God's attributes, and it almost sort of looked like a, a, a stick figure of a human being. And the highest of them is God's crown. There's no higher attribute than the system of Svirot. They were, they're hierarchical. So there's no higher attribute of God than God's crown. There's nothing higher than it. Omnam yoredet umistakelet lamata tadir. Therefore, God's crown always looks beneath, beneath it. Always looks downward. <coughs> and that's for two reasons. Because the crown is embarrassed to look at its source. To look at its essence. Rather, the, the cause of its emanation, the source of its emanation, there, there is in Kabbalah a sense that the, 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 the Sfirot didn't just uh, um, emerge from nothing. They all emanated from God's infinite being, God's sort of abstract oneness, which uh, the Kabbalists called Ein Sof, which meant uh, never-ending or, or, or infinite. And so what he's saying about Keter is that uh, the, that virtue always looks downward because there's nothing above it. He can't, there's nothing to look at above. It's embarrassing to look at its source. And so it always looks downward and always has God's infinite oneness looking downward on it. But the crown always looks downward. Similarly, a person A person should be embarrassed to look upward at God. A person should be embarrassed. Um, we saw we talk about this all the time on Yom Kippur, right? That uh, when we begin the confessional, we say that we are um, embarrassed to stand in God's presence. Um, you know, we wish we could say that Sadikim Avotenu We wish we could say that we were righteous people and we haven't sinned, but we and our ancestors have transgressed. Right? There's a sense of embarrassment in standing before God. There's a sense of embarrassment looking up your Creator and staring your Creator in the face and saying that I'm sorry that I failed to live up to what you. Uh, had created me to, to live for, what you created me to resemble. So there's a sense of em- embarrassment uh, that, uh, that, that comes with being human. He's saying that's, a, that's a, a good quality to cultivate because it cultivates a sense of humility, right? a sense that we are not as great as sometimes we think we are. And so we should be embarrassed to look upward, to, to exalt ourselves. Rather, we should always look downward. We should make ourselves smaller to the best of our ability. Right? And so this virtue is dependent on our, our heads. Because a person um, only... Um, only exalts himself when he looks upward. But a poor person lowers his head and looks downward. Right, so we should not walk with our heads raised and our chests out and walking upward like that. We should, this is I think metaphorically, not necessarily physically, right? but we should we should always kind of have our faces looking downward. 
Right? And there's no no more patient and humble being like our God exemplified in the virtue of the crown. Because this is the this is the foundation of God's compassion. And there's no um, uh, flaw or, or error that passes before him. Velo avon and, and neither sin, velo din and neither judgment, velo shum midam monat milashgiach ulashpia lehetev tadir. And there's nothing um, that uh, uh, that prevents God from providing goodness at all times. Right, so all of these bad things happen at all the time that, uh, that, that, that upset God. We talked about this before, right? All these things sort of pass by God. God sees all these things that, that human beings do that are damaging, that are insulting, that are frustrating. And nevertheless, God doesn't stop giving goodness to, to humankind. Okay, so similarly, similarly, a person needs to not let anything that happens in this world to prevent him from granting goodness. There should be no bad deed. There should be no human action that happens to him, that passes before him, that prevents him from looking at his fellow creatures, from looking at his fellow man and saying that despite all of these bad things that, that happen, that happen to me, that happen in the world, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up being good. I'm not going to give up being good to other people. I'm not going to give up goodness. And there is, I think, a pervasive sense among, among, our, among humanity um, that that evil is such a pervasive quality in the world that it is futile to do anything to, to better the world. And I think what he's arguing against is that sense. That despite the fact that there are all of these imperfections and flaws and bad things that might happen to you that might happen in the world, we don't give up. We don't withhold our goodness. We don't say, well, just screw it, every man for himself. right? Instead, we redouble our efforts to grant goodness at every moment in every time. Right? And just as God provides for every creature from the horned bull to the brood of vermin to right from from the highest exalted creature to the lowest lowly creature god cares about and provides for every creature right and doesn't insult any creature doesn't say to the gnat well you're just a gnat so i don't need to deal with you right now doesn't say to the uh to the uh to the frog well you know you have these funny looking legs and um and this silly tongue so um i don't need to deal with you today because if God were to insult any of those creatures, if God were to ignore any of those creatures, if God were to say, I don't care about you at all, they wouldn't be able to exist 
even for a moment. And indeed, I think what he's also saying here is that the world itself wouldn't be able to exist for a moment because the world exists in a very delicate balance. We see this all the time with the with the threats that uh, uh, to, to to the extinction of all sorts of different species. That we need the kind of diversity that we have in our biosphere. That we, there's a very delicate balance to our biosphere, and that if any creature is destroyed from the face of the earth, it has irreparable harm to the totality of being in on our planet. And so if God were to enable any being to be destroyed, however small, the world wouldn't be able to exist. So therefore God grants providence and mercy to them all. Similarly, a person needs to be good to everybody. And shouldn't be insulting and shouldn't uh, have a, an insulting disposition toward any person, no matter how seemingly insignificant, no matter how small. Even a creature that seems totally insignificant, I think this is talking about human and non-human creatures, even something that seems totally insignificant, a person in your life, in your world, seems totally insignificant to you, a creature seems totally insignificant, the, 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 the spider that, you, that, you, uh, um, that we all probably swat in our house, right? seems totally insignificant to you. They should all be very important to you. And you should give them attention. And you should be good to everybody who needs your goodness. So I think that's to say everybody. Everybody in the world is in need of goodness. No matter how insignificant they seem, no matter how bad they seem, Everybody needs love. Everybody needs goodness. Everybody deserves it. And I think this is why he's putting this in the context of humility, because on some level, we, we walk around saying, well, you know, I don't, I don't really need to deal with this person because I'm better than them. Right? Um, I see this all the time when I go on vacation, especially to, uh, to, uh, uh, to foreign countries, especially tropical countries, right? that, uh, uh, where, where people don't speak English. In a sense that the people who serve you are, um, are insignificant, are less than you. It doesn't matter how you treat them because they're, 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 they're lesser. Right? Um, and I see this in, 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 in a lot of different contexts. And there's a sense that a lot of us uh, carry with us, and I, and, and I, and I consider myself as implicated in this in, from time to time as, as anybody else, that you know, there, are, there are certain people who, don't, who, who aren't as deserving of goodness as other people. And what he's trying to argue against is that mentality, that the, the walking around and saying, well, you know, I'm better than this other person, so they don't, they don't, uh, they don't, they don't deserve me treating them the way I would treat my superiors, saying treat everybody as your superior. Treat everybody with goodness. And this is the virtue that is connected with God's crown in the secret of the, of the Rosh, in a gen, uh, the secret of the, uh, the head. Right? This, is what, this is how we should conduct ourselves, exemplified by how we place our head, whether we walk with our heads up or do we walk with our heads down? Do we only care about 
uh, treating kindly those we perceive as being above us, or do we look downward and say that those we per- perceive to be below us are uh, are as deserving of our kindness and our goodness um, as as we are as we would want for ourselves, and as with the kind of respect we would give to those above us. All right, we'll uh, we'll stop there for now. Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. Yeah.